Today is their circumcision and the naming of Jesus' day, January 1st. The Old Testament reading is from Genesis chapter 17, beginning verse 9. Then God said to Abraham, As for you, you must keep my covenant, you and your descendants after you, for the generations to come. This is my covenant with you and with your descendants after you, the covenant you are to keep. Every male among you shall be circumcised. You are to undergo circumcision, and it will be the sign of the covenant between me and you. For the generations to come, every male among you who is eight days old must be circumcised, including those born in your household or brought with money from a foreigner, those who are not your offspring. Whether born in your household or bought with your money, they must be circumcised. Here ends the Old Testament. The epistle is recorded in Romans chapter 2, beginning verse 25. Circumcision has value if you observe the law. But if you break the law, you have become as though you had not been circumcised. If those who are not who are not circumcised keep the law's requirements, will they not be regarded as though they were circumcised? The one who is not circumcised physically and yet obeys the law will condemn you who, even though you have the written code and circumcision, are a lawbreaker. A man is not a Jew if he is only one outwardly, nor is circumcision merely outward and physical. No, a man is a Jew if he is one inwardly, and circumcision is circumcision of, of the heart, by the spirit, not by the written code. Here ends the epistle. The Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, chapter 2, beginning the 21st verse. On the eighth day, when it was time to circumcise him, he was named Jesus the name the angel had given him before he had been conceived. When the time of their purification, according to the law of Moses, had been completed, Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon, who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation which you have prepared in the sight of all people, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for the glory of your people Israel. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him, 
Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, this child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. Here ends the Holy Gospel. It is possible you may have a short sermon this morning. Well, how many little people are there out there? Oh, and if it's only going to be one or two, they're going, "Uh uh-uh. Okay. Isaac, I'll let you off the hook. These candles are for the 12 days of Christmas. I'll explain where we've gone so far. In the Jewish way of reckoning, however, this is not the seventh day of Christmas. They would call it the eighth day, the day of circumcision. The first day of Christmas, December 26th, is red because it has to do with the first martyr, Stephen. I think there's an earthly law that says if anything can go wrong, it will go wrong. Just pretend. Can you do that? The second candle has to do with St. John. It's white. He's the only apostle that was not martyred, hence the white. The third candle had to do with the Holy Innocents, the babies of Bethlehem were slaughtered by King Herod in an attempt to destroy the coming of the Messiah. The fourth and the fifth candles have no special meaning except that they have those designations as the fourth and the fifth. Last night, with the sixth, it was purple. And we had some of the purple paraments out because New Year's Eve has always been considered from ancient Old Testament times a time of repentance. You prepare for the new year by considering the past and repentantly asking for God's mercy into the new year. Today is the circumcision and naming of Jesus, which is white. And that's what our service is about today. Circumcision was the new beginning. In the Old Testament, that's when you became a true child of God. And it was an outward physical thing that marked you for the rest of your life. It could not be changed. It could not be altered. You were marked as an adopted child of God. The next day had no significance, neither did the next. But finally, when you get to the tenth day, there is another martyrdom. The eleventh day is nothing significant. And when you all come this coming Friday, that's Epiphany, the celebration of the coming of the wise men to the Redeemer, not of the Jews, but of the entire world. That's the meaning of the 12 days of Christmas. Sanctify them by your truth, O Lord. Your word is truth. Amen. 
circumcision. It is still done. By the way, the Pharisees did have a little baby, a little baby boy, born this past Wednesday. I can't tell you his name because they haven't decided on a name yet. They're down to two possibilities. But when he was born, the big discussion was, do we have to have our little boy son circumcised? There was a concern that this was done in the Old Testament, so maybe it's supposed to be done now. And I said, no. Religiously speaking, there is no reason for a circumcision. If you're Jewish, you bet you better find yourself a good moil with a steady hand and good eyesight who can cut the right part off. But as for a Christian, that's not required anymore. The text that I'm going to share with you on this first day of this year when we are supposed to party like it's 1517 in celebration of the 500th anniversary of the posting of the 95 Theses of Martin Luther is from Colossians, the second chapter. First beginning with the event of Christmas, in him that is referring to Jesus, the whole fullness of the Godhead dwells in bodily form. And you have come to fullness in him who is the head of all rule and authority. In him also you, or should I translate y'all, all of you, were circumcised You have a circumcision. It's a Christian circumcision. It's better than anything that was done in the Old Testament. You were circumcised with the circumcision done without hands. In the putting away of the body of the sinful nature. In the circumcision done by Christ. Paul is talking about something greater than a mere cutting away of a piece of skin. But what exactly is he talking about? What is it that marks you as a child of God? In the circumcision done by Christ, being buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. And you who once were dead in trespasses and in the uncircumcision of your old sinful nature, God made alive together with him. How? Having forgiven us all our trespasses. Do any of you need any minor surgery this morning? Little mole? Any little things to be cut off? No? Some of you may have wondered for a number of years, what's that thing that pastor's got growing on the side of his neck, right? I can see you sometimes because your eyes don't look me eye to eye. You're going, what's that thing? Old Dr. Johnson a number of years ago didn't think he liked the looks of that, so he got out his scalpel, although he's just a general practitioner doctor, and he decided to play surgeon one day. 
He laid me down, shot me up, and took out his scalpel and decided he's going to cut that thing out, which he did. So, Ken, was he successful? It doesn't look like it. It was a botched job. He did check for cancer, and my current doctor said, that'll never turn into cancer, but he said whoever did that did an ugly job. Circumcision in the Greek simply means the cutting around. Now, I remember my mother in particular, my grandma, when she'd make a pie, the top dough on the pie was always kind of ragged, a little bit bigger than normal, and she'd take out her knife and she'd paritemnos. She'd circumcise the pie. She'd cut off all the extra ragged dough around the pie, and then begin crimping it all the way around. Circumcision simply means a cutting around like you would a pie. All the extra old stuff that would do nothing but burn in the oven, she'd cut off and I think make into a cookie with cinnamon on it. Jesus is circumcised on the eighth day. He's not only keeping the law, but he's also beginning our salvation. We know that righteousness has to do not with our keeping of the law, but his. And it begins on the first official day of his life. For the Jews, that was on the eighth day at circumcision. He submits to that law, and it has to do with the shedding of blood. The ancient Christians said, now that is significant. Not only that he begins keeping the law in our stead, but it's also the first shedding of blood in our stead. The final shedding of blood would be at the cross. His final keeping of the law would also be at the cross, where instead of any vindictiveness or anger at those who were unrighteously crucifying, he simply fulfills the law. Remember, the law is that of love. And he says, Father, forgive them. They know not what they are doing. Moments later, he would give up his breath and commend his soul into his heavenly Father's care. From this day, the circumcision and naming of Jesus until Good Friday, these two events begin. The keeping of the law in our stead and the shedding of blood for the payment of sins. But notice what this does. This is more than just cutting off the excess dough on a pie. It's more than cutting off a piece of skin from a poor little boy who will cry. By the way, the Pharisee's little boy finally did get circumcision because the doctor said it was medically a good thing to do. Religiously, it was unnecessary. What does this circumcision in baptism do for us? Now notice the connection. In baptism, we are made a child of God. It's God activity, not ours. Baptism is not when you decide to give your life to Jesus. 
It is not when you think you can make some decision to believe in him, as though it is by your own reason or strength. God comes and he makes you his child, and the mark is not in the flesh, but the mark is given in holy baptism. The mark is this, the sign of the cross on the forehead and on the heart, in token that you have been crucified with Christ Jesus. A circumcision made without hands, the putting off or the stripping away of the body of the old sinful nature. If this was any other Sunday, we would have begun this year, 1517, with a gorgeous, beautiful 500th anniversary Reformation banner that would have been brought down front for us. But because this is January 1st and half the congregation stayed up till midnight and beyond, we thought it'd be a little bit thin proud. So instead, next Sunday, January 8th, which also has to do with baptism, the baptism of Jesus, the service will begin with this wondrous procession of the Reformation banner down front. I've already mentioned before that it seems to have a strange color. Its basic color is purple. Not red like you're used to hearing on Reformation Sunday. Purple. It's the color of repentance. And that's really what St. Paul is talking about. The stripping away of the old body of the flesh. Christ does that in us by repentance all through life. But repentance is the necessary condition for receiving the good news of forgiveness. Otherwise, there's no forgiveness. If you think you're doing fine, that there's nothing wrong with you, what do you need Jesus for? The whole gospel just falls apart very quickly. But the circumcision happens in baptism, in which you were also two things. And this ties in with today. You were raised with him through faith in the working of God who raised Jesus from the dead. And also you who used to be dead in trespasses and sins, God made you alive with him. The beginning for a new year, the assurance that all the past is not going to weight you down and control you still for the next year is tied with this unity that we have with Jesus by means of baptism. Romans chapter 6 goes in more detail. But on this day we remember that our circumcision unites with, with Jesus who was crucified, dead, buried, but also raised again to new life. New life, therefore, comes to us in the waters of baptism. He has made us his children. And in that new birth, notice it says, God made us alive together with him, having forgiven us all our sins. Having forgiven us, it's hard to put into English, but the Greek means by his resurrection, there comes the forgiveness of sins, and it continues to be coming to us constantly throughout our life 
until we enter into eternal life. And that is the ultimate New Year's Day. So in the name of Christ Jesus, the promised Savior, blessed New Year. Amen. And the peace of God that passes understanding will keep our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus until life everlasting. Amen.